As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sifpot Podcast is recorded in front of a live internet audience. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that believes it's not about the replicant, it's about the replican. It's Sifpop. Welcome to Sif Pop, streaming live on Mixler every Friday afternoon or available to download later in your podcast feed, unless, of course, you're a patron. Josh? Yeah. Woo! Uh, patron gets those parts. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's, you didn't You didn't give me my line. I forgot. It's been several weeks since I did it one time. It's been two weeks. It's remarkable that I remember that. <laughs> Patrons get those perks. Uh, 107.9 is the buzz. <laughs> Plays the hits. I don't know. I'm Aaron Dicer from YourMovieFriend.com. Each week we'll be joined by a pop culture guru to chat about movies, television, whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And today's guru is Josh from the Nether Regions. Woo! That's my name. Don't wear it out. Uh, in the chat, they say Josh is the first to mess that up in 110 episodes. That cannot be true. <laughs> well, it's only recently become the guru's job, so uh, so you are the first, but maybe not in 110 episodes. Uh, I'm so glad to have you on again, man. You were on a couple weeks ago, um, and yeah. but you were already scheduled for this one. You were a last-second fill-in for that one. This one, yeah. we've had you on the schedule for because you are such a fan of the original Blade Runner. Yes. A movie that I just cannot get into. So before we even get into this podcast, give us the stump speech as a Blade Runner apologist for how this movie isn't boring and pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, I don't, I don't know that what I have to say means it's not pretentious. Okay. All um, right. Fair enough. Um. I, when I watched this movie, the very, when I was a kid, you know, I wanted it. I was like, it's a movie about a guy who hunts robots. I'm in. Right. Right. Sure. And as a kid, I remember thinking like, where's all the, where's all the things I like in movies? And that's, and this movie launched a lot of, you know, B movie versions 
um, that were exactly that and gave you know every thirteen year old boy exactly what they wanted that they missed in in Blade Runner. Um, even then, I still was compelled by it, and I think anybody is, can will say nobody can argue that it it's gorgeous. Right. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. It is spectacularly gorgeous. The world is perfection, um, and so I think that's what draws you in. What here's what here's what I think about it. It is the story is a simple story. It's not about the story. Um, it's it's this is where it gets really pretentious. It is a piece of visual poetry, and I love that um, the movie was with with that kind of budget that was that bold took that kind of step to to make to make something that you like just was about how it made you feel through the whole thing as opposed to the story was simple enough so that you didn't lose any story i've heard people say that it's a convoluted story and, and things like that and I, I i don't buy into that i think it's a simple clean crisp story and all of the all of the poetry for sounding pretentious, I know, is what <laughs> makes people think that it's convoluted. I understand why people think it's boring, you know. Um, I feel like Terrence Malick movies are, are kind of the same way, and they actually are boring to me because I, I, I'm i not a fan of his type of poetry, Sure, I guess. sure, sure, yeah. Um, but this but this one, uh, you know, I was I was watching the, the exchange between you and Jer from uh, CinemaSins a little bit yeah. uh, last night. And he mentioned like the character. Uh, he mentioned character and story, and and I get the story thing because it is it's not there's not much there. It's a guy who goes and hunts robots. Yeah, and it and, and it takes a lot of time him. in between plot points. Like just <laughs> sure it does. That's the poetry. Um, okay, and, sure. Uh, and you call it poetry. That's, the... that's fine. <laughs> well, the thing the thing is like the the characterization is not. This is addressing one of the things he said. It's um it's not about what the character necessarily says or does it's about like the composition of the of the shot or the pace of the shot mm. or where the character is in the frame those type of it's it's a it's a sure. yeah, very artisan it. sort of approach to you know because the- he because you look at most of the people are pretty deadpan through a lot of the movie there's not a lot of emotion you know um from from the main characters and stuff, but you still know, and you know, there's you know five minute scenes of them just flying through a city, and I get that that in one regard on the left hand is could be boring, <laughs> but on the right hand, I feel like it's also just saying so much, and you got to take into account too in nineteen eighty what was the movie made eighty two I think. Um, is when it was released. It was probably also just that much fun to see that spectacle for five minutes at a time on mm. a big screen. You know, we're jaded now, but to live in that world that what that didn't you know didn't have IMAX and 3D and whatever, and just see this thing that he's created, like you, I would, I want to take in as much of that as I can. All right, um, well, even after. You know, multiple viewings of the movie over my life. You know, I, I I find new things and look for new stuff, but it also just it's about how the movie makes me feel. Um, and, and, yeah, I yeah, think no, that's I, like I, a true art thing. Go ahead, sorry. No, I get it. I you know, there's a there's an artistic element to it. You know, I would say the best movies figure out a way to do both. 
you know, they figure out a, a way to be visually stunning and artistic and frame and all that kind of color and all that kind of stuff that you talk about and also tell a story that's compelling from start to finish and doesn't, you know, kind of leave the viewer uh, behind. Uh, you may be right uh, that it's a, an element of just not aging well in some ways because it's not spectacular for us to see that for, you know, five to ten minutes or whatever. Um, that could be part of it. But uh, and, and also, I did not see it uh, when that would have been something interesting to me. You know, I saw it for the first time sure. just over a decade ago uh, yeah. and came to it late with uh, expectations based on, uh, you know, uh, the sci-fi classic moniker that it has and i was just i was really let down by it uh which is why you know i watched it again last night uh just to kind of give it a second chance but i felt all the same things in fact i kind of came away from it even more convinced that it's just not that great of a movie or that it just hasn't held up well for the most part uh for me at least but but, but that is the original blade runner we're going to be talking about blade runner 2049 excited to do so uh, we're also going to chat uh, Best Ever Ryan Gosling films. We've got a Sift Quest about uh, award season uh, that could be interesting. And, of course, we'll do some Buried Treasure. But first, we're going to do some Do We Care? I'm going to read some pop culture headlines, Josh, and you're going to decide right. if we care enough to talk more about them. Uh, how about this one to start us off with? Jackie Chan teases Rush Hour 4 possibility, says we just agreed to a script. Do we care? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I care too. I, I mean, those movies <laughs> okay, are good. You know, they're they're junk food movies. But yeah. um, man, I just I'm really glad Jackie Chan is kind of putting his face back in the limelight. Yeah, I, I agree. The I saw the 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 foreigner trailer on um on Blade Runner last night, and uh, that looks really sharp too. Um, and a little different for for him, you know. It's more of a, a serious jump in at uh, hard drama. It looks mm, like. I mean, yeah. I mean a lot, still with a lot of action, um, but not like uh, some of the cheesy, cheesier, older stuff that I love so much. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw him in uh, Lego Ninjago, and of course, that's a totally different thing because he's doing a voice. Although he mm-hmm. he is in their live action as well. Um, and man, they there's just one quote-unquote stunt moment in the live-action part of that movie. It's not really a stunt. But they had the outtakes at the end, and I just thought, man, do I miss watching Jackie Chan outtakes at the end of you know, his movies, of all yeah. the, the stunts that go wrong and, and that kind of stuff. And I don't know that he's going to be doing he's... much of that because he's you know getting so old, but um, but man, it still could be fun. He, I, last, yeah, I, I think he still moves. He moves maybe a little slower than he used to, but he still moves like someone who's 30 years younger than he is. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, we haven't even talked about Chris Tucker, his part in it. Uh, you know, I haven't seen him in a ton of things lately. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, Chris Tucker's, I, I enjoyed his performance in The Fifth Element. It was kind of the first time I, I knew about him or who he was. And, uh-huh. you know, he's definitely got his own kind of brand of, you know, fast talking humor. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of like Eddie Murphy turned up to eleven. You know, in some ways. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, well, when the the franchise, so I love I, I like the first two. The third one, I don't remember being a huge fan of. Yeah, uh, it felt phone, phoned in, but I, I saw it the one time, and I don't really remember why. Um, but I love that era of Jackie Chan too. Whenever he was doing those, and he was doing the 
the westerns with Owen Wilson, uh, Shanghai Noon, and right, 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 Shanghai, yeah, 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 like Shanghai Nights. Like I loved, I loved that that era. Whatever he was, just like, who else wants to do a buddy movie? <laughs> <laughs> I need someone who speaks English a little better than me to pair up with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's the quote, exactly what he said. He said, yesterday we just agreed. The script probably uh, at the end of this month will have a second draft. And next year, probably we will start, I hope, if Chris Tucker agrees. Kind of putting Chris on the spot there. Uh, he says, yeah. it's not about the money. It's about the time to make it. We're all like old men now. I told Chris Tucker, before we get old, please let's do Rush Hour 4. So sounds like Jackie really wants to get it done. So <laughs> see if that works for him. You ready for the next one? Absolutely. All right. Tyrese blames clown Dwayne Johnson for breaking up Fast and Furious family. Do we care, Josh? Um, I don't, but I do want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, then you care. That's, if you <laughs> yeah. want to talk about it, then you in some way care. Uh, go ahead. Tell me your thoughts on this. Well, maybe we just want to talk about it to say that I don't care. No. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 what a, I just, actually, you talk. I just don't understand. Have you seen I, much I, about I it? The, no, um, I haven't. I stopped watching the franchise a long time ago. Okay. Um, um I, I try, and I, I tried, and now, like, I get, a, like, I got it mixed. Well, I don't remember the last one I tried to watch, but I didn't make it through, and it, I got mixed up in all of them. So I don't understand. I don't even understand the, <laughs> the, the universe anymore. Um, uh how was it before fast five that you got that you quit i literally just said i have no idea where <laughs> i was but how many have you seen you should have an idea uh, of how many fast and furious movies you've seen i think i i well i got them mixed up so i think i've seen parts of two different ones that i thought were the same one so okay. i've seen up to up to four or how what are they on now seven or eight uh they just did eight <laughs> um i didn't <laughs> I didn't see that sounds so I know there's people who love that franchise and you know what my brother loves that franchise and I I will say like like they are committed to what they're doing they you know, know what I mean? like, the kind of movie they're making yeah I don't want to come in like oh these are a bunch of morons making a crappy movie it's nothing like that I just um, because I know what has to go into you know the ridiculousness of like chase scenes and fighting and action and so i get like how hard it is i'm not criticizing that at all i just um i i think i saw i got to one that had uh the rock in it i think that's the one i fell asleep during it so which one was that five his first time i think so i think i think he may have been in four i they they all kind of jumbled together for me i'm actually a defender of the fast and furious uh franchise especially post fast five i think that's where they really locked in on the kind of movie they were making and they're superhero okay. movies. They're superhero movies with cars. And, okay. you know, you just kind of have to suspend your disbelief in the same way uh, that you would in the Marvel Universe or, or something like that. And then you can kind of have fun with it. Um, but this is fascinating to me because, I don't know, there's something really interesting to me about public, um, you know, call-outs like this where um, where, the, where this somebody tries to stir up a beef or something uh-huh. and you just you always yeah. wonder what's publicity and what's real. This one feels real to me, but he's basically saying that the rock is uh tearing the family apart because they offered them a uh um a spin-off movie for his character and Jason Statham's character. 
and oh. and they took it. And Tyrese is like, they've offered us spinoff movies before, and we said no because it's all about the diversity of the family and keeping the family together and and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's- I wonder if is there is there something that um, he brings from the music? Like, is the music industry bolder about? Those sort of things. You know what? I think you're right. I think think you're absolutely right. Uh, Yeah, there's something. I mean, you you look back. uh, I mean, the hip hop hip hop world is famous for it. You know, the East Coast West Coast thing. I mean, you know, people are dying. So uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it it gets it gets real in music. Uh, But even now, you look at like Taylor Swift, and you know, her latest uh, song is it supposedly a diss song? You know, to Katy Perry, I guess. I have no idea. But you're right. It's it definitely seems like from the music world that's more common. Uh, more acceptable. Well, and I'll say, and I think it's it's probably common with directors, but I don't see a lot of actors. I'm not saying it doesn't happen because I know uh, you know, we all hear the stories, but I think like actors. I mean, directors will call each other out, but I don't feel like it happens nearly as much as it does in the music industry. Here's what he says: uh, diversity, love, multi-ethnic, worldwide, multi-generational, United Nations, one race, fast family. Until Dwayne showed up. I guess this whole time he had a problem because he wasn't the only one on the movie poster. <laughs> I like, I like your inflection. Like you're creating, well, you're creating all the you, subtext. How else are you supposed to read it? <laughs> well, I mean, that is that is well, a direct diss. Uh, anyhow, yeah. um, I, li- I just like hearing your voice with Tyrese's <laughs> words. I think. <laughs> uh, do you want me to continue reading? In in his uh, uh, yeah his, sorry yeah I didn't mean it yeah, no no please. no I was done but hey if you like if you like the performance I'll keep giving it uh, <laughs> give me one more line they offered but you don't have to agree with a solo hashtag Hobbs movie he wrote <laughs> so there you go um, yeah. you also sound a little bit like a preteen girl like auditioning <laughs> for her first Disney movie <laughs> that is that is that's my acting chops people. That is why I will never be starring with Josh in any Robert De Niro movies coming out soon. Uh, that's well, all I, I got. Said, I know that I know that you're a good actor because I've seen you act a long oh, time you're ago. Too sweet. So I know that I know that you can do it. I just think it's fun. <laughs> I like your dramatic reading of Tyrese's words. Yeah, I may be put, right. I may be putting a little stank on it. That's for sure. <laughs> um, all right, let's go to number three. Uh, here it is: Burger King trolls McDonald's at recent It premiere. Do we care? Um, I would like to hear more. Uh, yes. So this was at the premiere in Germany, and Burger King, uh, at the end of the movie, uh, the end of the movie happened, and then on screen, it came up with the moral is, never trust a clown, and then the Burger King logo. And people <laughs> are losing their minds, because it basically turned the movie It into one big Burger King commercial. (laughs) (laughs) Which is remarkable because the Burger King, remember their whole thing was like, how creepy can we make the the Burger King King guy in the mask? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So maybe that's a compliment. Maybe they're saying, hey, McDonald's, we tip our hat. Our crown to you. Maybe in the sequel, McDonald's will get some product placement and uh, the character will no longer be a clown. It will be a king, you know, kind of the creepy king dude. Maybe they can do that. Oh, man, that is... But we are in a different world than we used to live, man. <laughs> it is a every every possible place and way that people can polarize. They are polarizing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's funny. 
Hey, I saw the the Krispy Kreme product placement in uh, the Power Rangers movie. I know it can go pretty far, so you never know what they're going to be able to do. You'll have to fill me in at some point because I do not know that one. Um, or is this the time to fill me in? No, I can fill you in. Uh, the new Power Rangers movie is so such a forced product placement for Krispy Kreme. I've never seen anything like it. It literally is part of three different plot points. They have to meet at a Krispy Kreme because something is buried underneath there, or it's <laughs> like, and they use lines like an amazing Krispy Kreme donut or things like that. I mean, it's just it's it's kind of insane. How much of a commercial that is funny. for Krispy Kreme Power Rangers is. Well, there you go. There's Do You Care for this week. Let's talk All right. some Blade Runner 2049. Let's do it. Every leap of civilization was built off the back of slaves. Replicants are the future, but I can only make so many. I had the luck. And he has the key. I think I found him. That's not possible. If this gets out, we've bought ourselves a war. Officer K, played by Ryan Gosling, is a new Blade Runner for the Los Angeles Police Department. He unearths a long-buried secret that has the potential to plunge what's left of society into chaos. His discovery leads him on a quest to find Rick Deckard, played by Harrison Ford, a former Blade Runner who's been missing for 30 years. We like to start out with uh, just a simple and quick review. Did we like it, love it, it was just okay, dislike it, or hated it? What do you got, Josh? Loved it. I'm right there with you, man. I'm in the loved it camp as well. I thought this movie was absolutely amazing. Let's just geek out about yeah. this movie for like the next half hour. How's that sound? <laughs> right, that sounds amazing. <laughs> All right, you tell you tell me what's like at the top of your list of reasons you thought this movie was incredible. What are they? <clears throat> um, I thought it was so true to the original, but allowed to be its own thing. Um, everything that I love about the original was there, um, uh, plus every possible way that you could update it or make it um, more better, more relevant, like any. And, and and any questions that people or like people issues people had with the first one, I feel like are uh, eliminated with this one as well. It gives you everything from the first movie plus everything people wanted from the first movie that they maybe didn't get. Yeah, I'm um, I'm just gonna talk a little bit about that because I am obviously one of those people who don't like the original Blade Runner. Uh, I I felt the exact same way. I felt like okay, here now I'm going into this world. It's visually stunning, um, you know, obviously more so even just because technology has, you know, grown so much. Uh, yeah. And, and it's compelling. Like, it's compelling all the way through. I'm never bored. I'm never thinking about, you know, how much time has gone by. Um, not only is there something to look at all the time, there's also something to think about all the time. I felt like the themes in this one were much deeper, uh, at least much more sketched out than in the first one. So I'm thinking about those. Um, uh-huh. It really blew my mind. At the at the end, I saw like a uh, um, like information on the movie somewhere, and it said running time two hours and forty four minutes. And yeah. I was like, "What?" Like I had no yeah. clue. I I was really shocked because usually when a movie even gets over two hours, I start to feel it a little bit. I did sure. not feel it in this movie at all. 
I just I yeah. was in it the whole time. So I, I think it's captivating in a way that the first isn't for a lot of people. Sure. I, I, I buy that. I, I think um, with that, the world building that the first one had uh, stepping up that. So stepping that up, using that like it, that world was never discredited. Uh, it was expounded upon as, you know, normal worlds do after 30 years. It's 30, you know, it's 30 years later. Um, and plus we see more, more pieces of, of the planet. So we go to different, a couple of different locations, um, and each having their own environment and their own world, their own personality, Mm -hmm. but still fitting perfectly into this, this broad world. I was the same. I, I know, I did know that it was longer only because at one point I noticed how, um, that I hadn't seen Harrison Ford yet. But I wasn't worried about it I, because it was so compelling. I just was like, "Oh yeah, they keep talking about him, but where is he?" You know? Yeah, um, sure. And I was, and then I got nervous. Like, well, I don't want him to show up for the last scene, you know, but, which was not the case. He it was pulls, there well before that. It pulls a Force Awakens with Luke. Just be like, "Yeah, yeah Luke's in this movie." What? Yeah, I did not. I for was not five happy seconds. Um, I thought the I thought the way they they treated all that was man it was so good uh what's his name denny villanueve um, uh-huh villanueve um villanueve is that um um yeah man he he's clearly a fan of the first he clear like worked t- you could tell like the all the collaboration and all the the tight work that went into making that the same world but but more of it and man is it gorgeous uh, oh, man. The colors in the framing in this movie, the effects are, you know, f- they seem flawless to me in this film. Yeah. Um, and all of them are informing what's going on in the story and with these characters. And uh, none of it felt, uh, to me, none of it felt pretentious. It didn't feel like we're showing off. We're just, you know, um, you know, trying to be, you know, more artsy than the movie requires. Uh, it just in it was just so beautiful to look at all the way through. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, and you know, we talked about the visual poetry of the original Blade Runner in my pretentious speaking earlier. Um, <laughs> I feel like I feel like this movie is the same way. Um, he 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 lets the characters do a little more of the work than the, they did in the first movie, but there's still so much that of the story that's just told by the frame and the shot. And like I said, where the character is standing in the frame, you yeah. know, it tells you leagues. It just tells a huge story beyond like, cause there's not a lot of talking in the movie. I mean, there's a couple of exponential uh, ex- exposition scenes mm-hmm. that are still really interesting, but generally speaking, it's, you know, a guy usually by himself <laughs> right. on, on his journey, you know, it- not a ton of, a Sor- dialogue a sorkin movie this is not uh yeah. you know it is it is not you know witty repartee and quick dialogue and uh i i mean i think there there's some interesting and clever dialogue but you're right it's delivered uh, very deliberately and that in the movie just feels very deliberate from the beginning to end yeah. it just feels like it's willing to give us the information at the time we need the information in the way that it wants to and it just it just all worked for me um it's yeah. secondary to the visuals, but just barely is the sound. Um, and I don't know if you got a chance to see it. Yeah. You know what kind of sound you got a chance to see it in, but 
man, I was blown away by yeah. uh, by this soundtrack, and it's it's very influenced by that. Uh, you know, the original Blade Runner soundtrack, which that's one of the things about the original movie that um, I think was very innovative and interesting, especially for the yeah. time. I don't know, again, that it holds up extremely well. The synth on it, you know, definitely feels uh, dated in the original. But this one pays homage to it in so many ways, yeah. but expands it. And I just, I, it the way the sound in this movie creates emotion and energy yeah. is so powerful. Yeah. It's it's I feel like in the in the first movie like all of the all of these things that were done to expertise at that era and then we've graduated past a lot of that in what we're capable of now and I feel like this movie did the same thing it is maxed out like what we're capable of in 2017 um in 30 years people may be like yeah that was great for the time you know, but I, right now it's like, it's the edge. It's the yeah. edge of how inventive and how, and the way, like just the, it, it, sometimes where it was unclear if the soundtrack or the sound effects were different. Right. Yeah, <laughs> like no, absolutely. Blended together. It was like, wait, is this a part of the, the soundtrack or is this a part of the scene? Like it was, yeah pretty meticulous uh let's talk about performances a little bit because i thought those were spectacular as well uh ryan gosling continues to impress me to no end uh that dude is i he is making a case to be my favorite actor working for sure um i i just i love the simplicity of his he's he's got this cool presence to him and yet he's not afraid to um to break out of that box at moments to emphasize the emotion of a scene or what's going on internally with him. Uh, you always feel like he's in control, but at the mm-hmm. same time, he is uh, he is revealing himself in a way that feels uh, almost vulnerable, uh, if that makes sense. I just, I'm so sure. impressed with Gosling. I saw him on Saturday Night Live recently when he was on, and I was just like, he even makes like a, a sketch show where he's just getting sketches five days ago and reading them off cue cards. He's making them believable. So nobody goes on SNL and does believable acting. Like it's just, <laughs> I just think he's so impressive yeah. with the stuff that he does. Um, yeah. I just, I really like Gosling. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I've, I felt like, um, I feel like across the board, everybody was, was really great. Um, and I will say too, I really think the the movie was was built to help that you know, like like I was talking about, like the characters, like the characters' journeys, where they were in the frame or the the composition or in the light or the mm-hmm. dark, you know, that all that stuff just gave them every tool they needed to to be right, like be super, like very natural, right where they needed to be. Um, they were all present in the moments. I thought Harrison Ford, even who I've always loved, but I've never thought like an amazing actor. Right? Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. But I've always loved him. Um, I thought like I was like, this guy is like he's still great. Like you, you see why he's still a legend. Not just because he was Han Solo and in, in Indiana Jones and Decker. You know, mm-hmm. he like he's got real chops and he knows how to be real in the moment and. Uh, work with people like the scenes of them together like they're 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 solid they're solid scenes 
I, I thought Harrison Ford was fabulous. I think it's the best I've ever yeah. seen him, actually. Um, and I, I, the emotion that this movie pulls uh, from from its you know material is is pretty impressive uh, and in crucial to the the message and the themes that it's going with. You know, it's crucial that we yeah. buy in to the emotion of what's going on here um, with these people and yeah. their connection to the overall story. And of course, purposely we're we're avoiding you know, any kind of spoiler story wise, we'll talk about those sure. in the, in the spoiler cast, but the ability for us to connect with Harrison Ford's character, to connect with, uh, you know, Gosling's character, um, to connect with all of these people and what they're going through. The other one, and I apologize, I don't have her name up in front of me. I should probably look it up. Um, but she worked closely with, uh, Jared Leto's, uh, character at, Oh yeah. Um, yeah, she I was thought, great. Oh, I thought she was amazing. I, I really did. Yeah. And I, I am going to look up her name just so just so we can say it. But I do feel what like... a what a complicated character too. Like she was playing every scene. She was playing several things. Yeah, yeah. There's so many like, layers. She was emotionally in uh, several different places emotionally every time she did a scene. Um, and you got to give a nod to to the script on that, uh, to the character as mm-hmm. well. But she, she nailed it while you're looking that name up. I, I'll say that, um, um, I, I watched it with my brother. Um, and he's never been a huge Jared Leto fan. Um, and while I was watching it, I was thinking that I think that Jared Leto has one of the hardest parts in the movie because it's the most to play into a cliche. Mm, yeah. I would think, and again, I'm trying to do this without spoilers, because we've seen the archetype. Well, we've seen a lot of the archetypes before, but we've seen, this is an archetype we've seen before, and it has the potential to be played uh, really two-dimensional, whatever. And I, I I, was all in. I was I was watching him going, um, man, I don't know if I could, I just don't know if I could do that like, yeah. as, as an actor. I don't know if I could do that part and sell the reality of it. Um, Robin Wright is great in this. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, it's been great seeing her in more and more things recently. Uh, Dave Batista even gives a decent performance when he's on. Yeah. Like, it's just down the line. You can tell that the material, you know, a lot of times I'll talk about actors elevating material. In the Patreon pre-show, I talked about the mountain between us and how Kate Winslet and Idris Elba, you know, elevate that material. It, it can go the other way, too. And I'm not saying, I mean, these are great performances, but I think the material, like you're saying, even elevates them further because they're given such a great workspace, uh, you know, to deliver what they're doing. And so I think that's why yeah. down the line they're great. Uh, her name, by the way, is, uh, I think, Sylvia Hoax, uh, okay. H-O-E-K-S. And I just thought she was absolutely fab- uh, fabulous. Uh, I also yeah. see uh, Anna DeArmas here, who played Joy in the movie. Uh, which was uh-huh. Gosling's she was a companion. She was great. Uh, so I wanted to mention her. And then Mackenzie Davis, who I love from um, uh, Halt and Catch Fire, uh, which is a great TV show, uh, has a great part here too. So just down the line, a bunch of great performances. Well, and and um, we still have, um, for those who like the first one, Edward James Olmos does, uh, we do see him in this one. Um, that's not a spoiler. That's in pretty. That's pretty early in the movie. Okay. And he's also on IMDb. So. Well, there you go. You would know that. <laughs> so he, I'm not really spoiling. I'm not saying what he does. I'm just saying, he does. He is still there, and he still does a solid job. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about before we try to find some negatives uh, unsuccessfully, 
uh, is <laughs> just the, the world building. And, you know, the, the glimpse you see in the first Blade Runner of this world. And I just think it's so fully expanded here with yeah. uh, with what they're doing in this movie that I just, I loved it. It was, and that's another reason that it never felt, you know, I never felt the length of the movie is because I just loved being in this world. It was just incredible. Yeah, uh, I, w- yeah I would 100% agree. I, I like how... Um, this was in the first one too. Like how busy, how busy and dense some some of it is, um, and and then this one we get to see, like I said, other other aspects of our planet. You know, at this point, and the not dense and not busy, yeah. but just but still has its own personality, um, and the, it still can be almost the polar opposite, but still fits into the exact same world perfectly. Yeah, it, it's it's a really impressive feat. Um, I, I, at times, I had a, a feeling with the themes and such of um, her, uh, the Joaquin Phoenix movie. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. kind of touches on some of those elements of technology and you know how we interact with technology. Um, although I, I I think it's probably safe to say her owes some of where it went with its themes from the original Blade Runner. I mean, it's you know it's kind of art. Yeah, I would art. argue that any. Any movie made after Blade Runner owes something about the future owes something to Blade Runner. Yeah. Um, even if it's just like, oh crap, look how well they, the the, the futurists. The, the guy. That's the first time I ever recognize uh, saw that title on a movie, uh, a futurist, and it's people who, like, their job is to legitimately find like what like what is a legitimate prospect for the world to come. So they don't just like what's what would be cool in a future world. They're like, well, this type of stuff could be likely, and this type of things, mm-hmm. these type of things might happen. Um, meaning, all, meaning their version of the future was so like the study of it was so great. So anybody who made a movie about the future after that, whether they want to admit it or not, like they have to pay a nod to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's. Uh... It's it's some of the stuff I love the most, you know, when something just feels authentic, you know, that it could be our future. Now, obviously, it's, you know, probably not going to be our future 32 years from now uh, where the, when this sure. movie takes yeah. place. But that's because well, uh, the, the original movie didn't go far enough at <laughs> sure. 2019. Yeah, we're already not where the first one says we would be. <laughs> that's right. Um, I don't see any so. buildings in Los Angeles with flames coming out of the top. That's all I'm saying. Just not happening yet. yet. <laughs> yeah, uh, any not yet. Ne- any negatives you can pull? Anything you thought you know? I had two negatives to the experience, but they are not directly related to the movie. I mean, they're indirectly related to the movie, and I only wrote them because I like we're gonna have to talk about cons as well. Um, my first, so my first one is how worried I was about how they were going to treat Decker's character. Mm, yeah. I had tension in me about what they were going to do. They never gave me anything in the movie that made me distrust them other than all the other movies that are made as sequels or reboots. It makes me <laughs> right. distrust, you know, but they ignored that. They were so true and honest. So I was, I was very happy with that. Um, and the other con, I don't think this is a spoiler either because Harrison Ford's just, he's just in his mid seventies. The, um, the first time you see him, I just did not like seeing a man who has had multiple broken bones and broken backs and plane crashes yeah. in his mid seventies having to, you know, 
walk around and do stuff. Like I, <laughs> I hurt, and it fit with the character, but I, I hurt watching him the the first time you see him. Um, well, that could actually be a uh, pro, though. I mean, you could actually. I mean, that's probably what you should be feeling with that character. You're absolutely right. These, like I said, these are both personal things. They weren't the movie. Like that was just hard because you know. Indy's my guy. You just you just want always, you're just like Ford. You can you can relax now. You've you've done your work, uh, man. Yeah, but at the same time, I'm also like, please, I, I don't want to stop watching you and things. But at the, <laughs> also, yeah, I don't want. I it's hard. It's like it's a little. It's weird. He resembles my dad a little bit. So uh, yeah. it was weird. My dad passed away last year. Watching him, some of these close up scenes, especially his face, it was it was it was very hard but also made the actual movie experience that much uh more interesting because because i was just so in like i was so invested it was anyway but that did nothing but add to to that yeah we forget i mean he was doing star wars 40 years ago 40 years ago yeah you know and uh and he even got started in his career late uh, so yeah. and he was in his 30s before he even started doing movies. So yeah, he's... he was. I think he was 40 when he did Temple of Doom. Like he was already 40 at that. Yeah, point, I think he may have been like late 30s, but he was. Yeah, yeah. Which 40s young? He's... I mean, Tom Brady's 40. I mean, you know, let's just be honest. Sure, sure. <laughs> also, we've just passed 40, so it's super young. That's all, that's all I'm saying. All I'm saying is 40 is so super young. It's really, but young. I do know, like my personally, like what I deal with in my regular life, and I'm like, that's what he looks like, and how he was doing whenever he was yeah. this age. That's yeah. insane. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you speak for yourself. I go out and do parkour every night, so uh, so I'm I know good. you do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You uh, also got a big head of black hair, and mine's all getting gray. Well, I've got gray. Don't you don't you take away yeah, my like, gray? I love my gray. You've got. Ugh, Ray. <laughs> I've right. seen you. Uh, the only negative I would say is if you're in the wrong headspace, I can see this movie being torturous. Like if if you are if you come into it and you start seeing melodrama in it, I can see it not clicking for you in the same way that the original Blade Runner doesn't click for some people. Um, but that is not the experience I had, and apparently it's not the experience a lot of people are having. So I could be wrong about that, but. Um, but anyhow, I, I really didn't have any specific negatives uh, that I wanted to I, bring I would up. watch – I would say don't watch it late. Um, yeah, that's just, a good I call. Mean, because it, it, it's not – it's it's not a fast-moving movie. It's I mean, it's it's well worth every second, but it's a deliberate pace. Yeah. Um, and if you're watching it at midnight and it's three hours, I mean, that's just science. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the only other thing I would add before we move on is it is, you know, it's definitely rated R, uh, you know, the, the way they use, uh, the violence, the language, the nudity, um, you know, it's, it's, it's meant for adults, not children. So that's, that's definitely something, uh, that I know some people would want to know. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but still not as, not as gratuitous. I'm trying to think that maybe, is it? (laughs) Maybe it. I mean, it deserves R. Don't get me wrong. It's the, I wouldn't call it a hard R, though. I'm just, I'm just not is sure it, when in the next 30 years uh, billboards are going to go to full frontal nudity. Uh, that's all I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying you see full frontal nudity in the movie. I'm yes. just saying yeah. the characters do, and not necessarily that you do. Um, <laughs> True. Anyhow, uh, yeah, I wanted to get that out there before we headed on. Overall, though, I think it's a huge recommend, especially 
if you're a fan of the universe, fan of sci-fi, a fan of uh, Denis Villeneuve, uh, I think he knocks it out of the park. Hey, before we move on, have did you um have you read the the book um uh was it do do androids dream of electric sheep? Have oh no, no, I haven't. I haven't either. Um, and even after watching the first one, I never really had a huge desire to. Um, but this is making me want to want to dig into that a little bit, actually, and just see. Because I don't, I don't think it's. I mean, it's not the same story. It's just based on some of the same concepts, maybe. Mm-hmm. Is that the impression you had, or not? yeah, yeah? That's the impression I get. Is it just kind of jumps off from those concepts and those ideas, and then you know pulls a story around it. Gotcha. That's the idea I got. Which is compelling. Yeah. Compelling stuff. Yeah. Uh, definite recommend for me, I'm sure from Josh as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely, it's spectacular. I would say biggest screen, best sound system you can find. Uh, it's definitely a movie that rewards that kind of stuff. I actually, I wrote a note. I, I want to say this. It is an intentional, handcrafted, artisan, big budget film. <laughs> <laughs> That is correct. That is correct. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the best ever challenge, Josh. We're going to do the best ever Ryan Gosling movies. Uh, I've already right praised him effusely in this podcast, so let's talk about some of his best films. Now, these are more movies, how we do it, movies that Ryan Gosling is in, not necessarily movies you would consider a Ryan Gosling starring vehicle. Uh, any movie he's yeah. been in would qualify uh, so we're going to go from number three to number one and then do some honorable mentions at the end. Uh, if you've got something higher than I have it, feel free to trumpet, and we will talk about it when it's time on your list. Uh, why don't you kick us right off? On. What do you got at number three? Uh, Lars and the Real Girl. I wondered if you'd talk about Lars and the Real Girl. I still haven't seen it, so tell me about it. Okay. It is... So it's the first time I really paid attention to him. So number one, so that's why it's got a special mm-hmm. soft spot in my heart. Yeah, the story is re- it's a really charming, sweet story. Um, it's um, quirky and interesting and funny, and it's got a lot of heart. Um, it's got some you know some nice drama too. Um, it it in an era and when it came out, it kind of was in an era of this this indie barrage of the same types of movies. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think most people know it or have seen it or heard of it, but there, but it did get lost a little in the mix. And I think that it, it stands above um, a lot of the others that kind of were in that same era. Um, but I, I spent, like I said, especially love it. Cause it's the first time I really saw him. Lars in um, the real girl. Um... Yeah. The gist is he has a uh, inflatable doll that, he is treating like his a real person and everybody in the town is going along with it because they, uh, you know, the, that's what's, that's, what's best for him. That's his, own, right. his only way out is to kind of work through like they, it, it's, uh, there's too much uh, trauma if someone were to expose the truth. Right. So it's, it's, yeah, it's a, I it's just to... a movie about it. It's, it's about, it's a movie about a lot of stuff, but one of the, yeah, it's about community and it's about, yeah, it's just solid. I need just to, real solid. I definitely need to check that out. Uh, my number three is Remember the Titans. Uh, you know, we all think mm. of that as a Ryan Gosling film. Uh, re- <laughs> Remember the Titans, uh, I had it number three. I mean, it's cheesy sports movie in some ways, but it's really effective. And a lot of that has to do with the performances. Uh, you know, Denzel, 
uh, chief among them. Uh-huh. So, uh, so yeah, I really enjoy Remember the Titans. So I had that at number three. Right now, I've never actually seen that one. Wow. So maybe I should watch that. You watch Lars and Real Girl. I'll watch that. All right. I, I usually don't uh, jump on sports movies. And so that was, it's the same. I should have put that in my submarine movies and um, <laughs> man versus nature movies and, and courtroom dramas and, and biopics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bi- that's right. Yes. What Josh is saying is he doesn't yeah. really like film. That's he's just I don't a, like he's, movies. He's just not yeah. a good he's not a movie guy. All right, what do you got at number 2? Uh La La Land, which I'm sure is, you're going to trump me. Yes, I am going to trump you. We'll talk about that here in a uh, bit. Uh I okay, have it, what's I, your number 2. I have it number 2, The Big Short. Uh Okay. So, I this movie has grown on me since it came out. Was it it was a couple years ago, right? I it is uh, yeah. I, I recently revisited it and was really struck by how well the conceit of that movie works. Uh, it is yeah. a self-correcting Wikipedia article. It is. It is. I, I just. I'm fascinated by the breaking of the fourth wall in that movie and how effective it is. Uh, yeah. And uh, and and also the performances are great. And I think it's because of the performances that it can somehow exist as both a fourth wall movie and also a just great telling of a true story uh i just it's quite a balance i don't know that i've ever seen anything like it when that movie came out when i saw it the first time i i thought this is one of the best movies that i still don't understand and they dump (laughs) they dump some stuff down for you but it's so like it's insane the the actual story of that what i what i loved and hated about it actually were this exact same thing i was so conflicted about the fact that there's no main character Mm. but everybody's the main character (laughs) yeah yeah um and and ryan gosling his character is the only character that you're really allowed to like he's your window in and he's the least accessible character in the movie almost (laughs) right (laughs) like emotionally like yeah (laughs) um i think people people forget christian bales in that movie it's such a great performance uh yeah for me it's bale and carell those are the you know the main guys that i kind of see as the dual leads uh you know in my own mind like in my in my memory but you're right the movie is very much about a an a historical event that involved a lot of people and so it you know it becomes uh, a little unfocused in its character development, but its story yeah. development is so good that the character development, you know, kind of just gets dragged along with it in some ways. Yeah. So, so yeah. I, I when Altman when Altman did Nashville, like there was a big conversation about like who the main character was, right? And so his thing was always, well, Nashville is the main character of this movie. It's not right. about the other people aren't the. And in this, I think. The incident and the thing, the situation is the main character, but my problem was I still never fully understood the that, and that's the main character, mm. and our only window in is all these other characters. That's the only reason. Like I love, I love watching the movie, but I still like even now it's still complicated for me. Like I can't, I could not explain what happened to somebody. Okay, well, I can follow it when it's in the movie, but I can't explain. I couldn't turn around and explain that to somebody else. All right, well, let's. Uh, and let's that's not the movie's fault. That's the concept's fault, I think. Let's uh, let's take the next uh, hour or so, and I'll I'll try to walk you through it, kind of help you understand <laughs> yeah, right. a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> if I couldn't follow the dumbing down in the movie, I doubt you can help me. I mean, out I don't here. have anybody in a bubble bath over here or anything, but I think I can right. take a shot at it. All right, what do you got? Sure. At, like, what do you got at your number one? Uh, nice guys. 
Very nice. That was in my honorable mentions. Uh, right. I didn't realize. Um, I didn't. I it, for me, that's one I need to watch again. I've actually still only watched it the once. Uh, and yeah. I think people are right. I think it's a much better movie than I gave it credit for because when I remember it, I remember really good things about it. I just I didn't come away from it loving it like everybody else. So I think I need to watch that one again. Sure. The um, what what's interesting about Ryan Gosling is I've never like going through the list and thinking about all this. Like, there's not. Like I don't watch. I've never watched movies because of him, right? And so it's a it's like Nice Guys was one of my top movies of last year, but um in my in my whole life it's not necessarily one. But like when it comes down to Ryan Gosling stuff, I'm like, no, that's I think that's my favorite thing he's done, and um it's because he's got he doesn't have a huge uh library. Number one, he did a lot of TV when mm-hmm. he was younger, yeah. So that, but then also like he just, he's smart and he's sharp in his movies and stuff, but he doesn't like, he, he just doesn't do a, a ton that, a ton that I've seen. Well, that's, mm-hmm. that's the truth. And he's, yeah. and you're right. He's, he's also, uh, you know, not the, excuse the pun about a movie we'll talk about in a second, uh, the driving force, uh, in a lot of the movies that he does, but he's such a, a yeah. presence uh, I think that's changing. I think you're going to see him because he's proven uh, a little bit of versatility for sure in yeah. kind of the roles he's taken. I think you're going to see him taking more of those, you know, uh, center stage performances. Uh, I could be wrong about that, yeah. but um, but it's definitely. I think he's enjoyable. great in everything. Like I think he's great in everything I've seen him do, um, and he has a, a nice diversity too. Like his confidence is always there, and his you know his his prowess is always there. Um, but his characters are, they they fluctuate pretty good. He's not playing a, a type. Right. Oh no, absolutely. I mean, he's totally yeah. different, uh, in the big short, uh, than he is in La La Land. And I guess we can just kind of transition, yeah. uh, into that. Although I, I suppose with nice guys, we probably should talk about Russell Crowe a little bit because I, that he, I was really impressed with Crowe's performance in that movie. Cause I, I don't know that I'd seen him do comedy in that way. And I think, I wonder if yeah. Gosling's a part of that. I wonder if he brings that out in people. Yeah, well, yeah, I wonder, and he—he's clearly, uh, he clearly works well with other comedians. Well, he's done a couple with Carell, and um, he, yeah, I—that's I, the the feeling I get from him is that he's a very like just a very present actor, you know, um, and meaning like he gives everything he can to the other performers, whether it's comedy or not. Um, to help lift each other up. It's like you right. know, one of the basic tools of, of acting. But when, you know, when people become more and more of the stars, you see less of that like connection with people. I think some, sometimes not always. I also feel like uh, there's a video going around right now. I'm not sure if you've seen it, but it's of a, a press interview that he and Harrison Ford are doing uh, with some, you know, morning show channel, whatever. And it just kind of goes off the rails and it's hilarious. I just feel like uh-huh. he has a great sense of room energy and comedy and timing. And if you can get Harrison Ford giggling, I think like you are doing something that a lot of people can't do. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Harrison Ford has the grumpy old man, you know, persona for a reason. Uh, you know, yeah. he, you know, he doesn't suffer fools, but man, he was, he was giggling and laughing. And, <laughs> you know, so I, I just, I feel like, that Gosling must have, you know, something in him that that does that, and I feel like Russell Crowe benefited from that in the Nice Guys for sure. Sure, yeah, I buy that. Yeah, 
Um, all right, let's talk about La La Land. You had it at number two. La I have, La Land. I have it at number one. Um, I, La La Land to me will be one of those uh, defining movies of you know my cinematic worldview, my cinematic life. Mm. Um, I didn't know that another musical could happen that would own me in the same way that my favorite musicals do, like Singing in the Rain or you know whatever yeah. it might be. And this movie comes out, and you know, mad props to everybody, uh, but especially Damien Chazelle. Uh, for putting it together, and uh, and Ryan and Emma are so transcendent in that movie. And what happened was, I think yeah. because it came out at the end of the year, you had a lot of critics who were seeing it at like cans and different things like that and raving about it. And I think the I've never seen a movie with that much hype um, when it when it finally came out. I think people were a little underwhelmed, and so I think I don't think it got the kind of the praise from the general movie going public uh, that it might have uh-huh. if they hadn't heard about it and hadn't heard about how amazing it was. But I, I you know, I just remember when I saw it, I was blown away. Well, I, I didn't watch it. Number one, I didn't watch it in the big screen, which I wish I had now. Oh um, yeah. So, yeah. And for I, sure. I watched it l- long after most people did. Cause it didn't based on the trailers and again, all the hype, I just, I, I, I was tur- not turned off, but I just wasn't turned on to, to watch it. Yeah. Um, and when my, and my wife who hates my wife, musicals, <laughs> my wife who hates musicals, when we sit down, and start watching this and she realized it was a musical, I saw her heart crush. Oh no. And I saw, I watched that movie win her back. Oh wow. And by the, by the halfway point, I don't remember what, the, oh, it, it was the, it wasn't even the halfway point. It was, um. It was the scene after they are at the, uh, the top of the street looking out, and you know they do the their that first what a waste number of a together lovely or night. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Whenever he starts walking back to the car that was never up there, uh huh. Then she goes, "All right, I'm in." <laughs> <laughs> and then she was all in, her. and I was, and I was. I mean, I was too. Like it's a it's a beautiful movie. It is what a lovely love song to classic film and modern film it is those two together are unbeatable i right at this point in time in my life i am happy to watch the two of them do anything together yep um because i thought they were hysterical and crazy stupid love which yep. we'll talk about in our honorable mentions for sure but um and this is as well yeah i'm with you man i i wish that i had seen it on the big screen um that, that that's definitely a movie that um made me want left me wanting wanting more yeah i just i for me it just checked all the boxes i and and i've heard people who disagree with almost every point but i think the music is wonderful i think the lyrics are really interesting and nuanced and uh, i think the dancing even though it's (laughs) obvious they're, they're not you know fred and ginger uh, what they pull off in those scenes is really impressive, and the key is they're pulling the emotion out of it, which I think they do yeah. very well. Um, you know, I just they're I, protected. They're really as the actors. The actors are protected with that. They didn't make them try things they couldn't do. Right. They didn't make them sing things they couldn't sing. Um, they let every. They always let it be first and foremost. Like the character was always first. Yeah, and that truth resounded through everything they did. And then you add that to how beautifully consistent and perfect the themes in that movie are. Uh, It is, and how perfect the ending is for those themes um, about dreams and sacrifice and, uh, you know, pursuit. Uh, 
Uh, it is just I. It it is one of those movies again. Like I said, it, it will define uh, part of my cinematic experience of my life. Uh, I just I love it. I buy that. Um, I buy it. All right. So now that I've uh, convinced everybody that La La Land is the greatest movie ever made, we can continue and talk about the honorable <laughs> mentions. Although DJ Mill did not uh, does not agree with you. DJ M three. DJ M three. Sorry, not Mill. Sorry, I'm looking from far away. Yeah, uh, I, I I get it. I get that some people don't understand, you know, the the movie or whatever. But but yeah, for all those reasons, it is and more. It is one that I definitely love. Uh, let's talk about some honorable mentions. Right on. Uh, you mentioned Crazy um, Stupid Love. Did you want to talk any more about that? I had that in mind too. Um, I I yeah, that's a movie that I had a blast with. I I did not love the ending of. Um, it, it right. lost me in the ending, but the journey was a blast and. Specifically, um, uh, the two of them, Ryan and Emma, together, what like those were those scenes were a blast. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I don't love it, um, you know, whole hog, but it definitely at parts it it is so vibrant and fun and uh, interesting that that I'm in. So yeah, yeah, I need to watch that again. It's been a while since I've seen Crazy Stupid. I love. should too, actually. Yeah, it's a it's it's definitely one that I. I had a great I had a fun it was fun it was a fun watch yeah um a not so fun watch at times is one of the ones that I mentioned drive which I think is yeah that's one that, my other one too <laughs> uh, a lot of people uh know him for and really is the movie when you look at okay you know it, it, the movie that he is center stage and kind of stars him um yeah it might be one to think about but I, it's an impressive movie it's definitely got an energy to it that uh that is aggressive and doesn't stop and kind of holds on to you and, and shakes you around. So, um, you know, it's yeah. a good watch. It is. There are, there are scenes that I can rewatch. I don't know if I'm in for the whole movie, maybe right. later in my life, I'd be in to watch the whole thing again, but there are, but having taken in the whole movie, I can fill in the dots and just watch like some very specific scenes that I thought were, um, transcendent compared to the rest of the movie, I would say. Yeah. Transcendent is I don't use that lightly. Like they were so good. Like the it's it's parts of it are so perfect. Yeah, and I would say, and of course you've got you know Marlon himself playing a, a you know an interesting role and in a different kind of role. Um, so yeah, I uh, Marlon by the way is uh, <laughs> the actor Albert Brooks, right? Everybody. Marlon from Finding Nemo. Okay. <laughs> Perhaps I just should have said Albert Brooks. Possibly, maybe. <laughs> I was, I was for a second like Marlon. What does he mean? Oh, Marlon. <laughs> I was first, my first thought was like Marlon Wayans was not in that movie. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Everything is, everything is Pixar related to me. No, you but are. Yeah, I, should, I forgot who I was talking to. He is. He is giving a performance there. I think that rightly got a lot of attention. Um, and I just I love that dude. I think he is. Me too. Hilarious. Um, I only had one others. Did you have any any uh, any other? That was it. That was it for my um, uh, honorable mentions. The only other one I wanted to mention was Place Beyond the Pines. Um, okay. And I think that's a a worthwhile watch. Uh, it is one that I don't think a lot of people have seen. Um, but I, I find it fascinating, interesting, dramatically compelling. So um, I would give that one a recommend. That's, that's the other one with the the same director, right? From um, from Drive. Am I thinking? No, I'm thinking of something different, aren't I? Um, you know what? Honestly, I don't remember who directed Place Beyond the Pines, but I can look it up real quick. 
Uh, he did, yeah, he did two with the, uh, and uh, I should know the director's Derek name. Derek Clan um, France. Clan France. Clan France. All right. Clan he France. did. He did something else and too. What, uh, he did two with him. He did Drive, and he did something else with him. Um. Let's see. Movies include Place Beyond the Pines, Blue Valentine. That's the other one he did with Gosling. Uh, God. Okay. That one. That was before. Yeah. Yeah. That Which was I didn't see that one. Yeah. So yeah, Place Beyond the uh, okay. the Place Beyond the Pines is a a good watch. I think uh, definitely something that might be interesting to check out if you haven't uh, seen it. If you don't know uh, much about it, it's Gosling and Bradley Cooper uh, kind of playing two different leads uh, in different stories and uh, goes to some interesting places. So. That'd be one at least I put in my honorable mentions. Before we move on to the end of the show, do you want to remind you that this is a listener-supported podcast network, meaning Sif Pop and other podcasts like it are on a, a network called Studio DNA, and people support that network uh, so that different podcasts can kind of be created and come to you. So if you would think about supporting, it starts at $3 a month, comes with some pretty fun perks. Uh, including your own podcast feed where you get all the bonus episodes. For instance, on our bonus episode for this show, uh, for the Patreon pre-show, we actually reviewed The Mountain Between Us. Uh, so some thoughts on that in there. And if you are a patron, you get all that stuff right in your podcast player. Uh, also want to make you aware that a new podcast is on the network. The Horrible Movie Podcast should now be showing up in your patron podcast feed. Uh, so you can check those guys out. Just search for Horrible Movie Podcast in your favorite pod, uh, podcast player. You should be able to check them out as well. We're having a great time bringing you this stuff. So if you want to support, we'd appreciate it. It's patreon.com slash studio DNA. Patrons get those perks. Well, now you got it. <laughs> now I got it. I wanted to say it sooner, but I didn't want to interrupt you. You were on a roll. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks. I, I yeah. appreciate that. That's very considerate of you. <laughs> You know, you're, you're a very yeah. considerate actor. I, I appreciate that hey. about you. Oh, thank you. I try to give. I try very to give. unselfish. You can tell you've got some work in the improv <laughs> in a world. It works well. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our SIFT quest for this week. Uh, this comes to us yeah. from Josh uh, via email. Um, and if you want to get a SIFT quest uh, in and put us on a quest for answers, you can get your question to us via email or on Twitter. Uh, on Twitter, I'm Aaron Dicer, A-A-R-O-N-D-I-C-E-R. -E so feel free to tweet me there with any question you have or any debate that you want solved. Uh, Josh says this, my question is a bit complicated and long, but if you read the whole thing, I'm sure you'll find it as interesting as I do. Well, don't you can't guarantee that, Josh. I'm already bored. This is like the original Blade Runner. <laughs> boring oh, hey. <laughs> hey. Just kidding, Josh. So here it goes. Uh, for the last few years, I personally have felt that the Academy Award for Best Picture has gone to the wrong movie. Moonlight over La La Land, Spotlight over Mad Max, and 12 Years a Slave over a whole bunch are just a few examples. I'm not sure why in some cases. It just feels like the wrong movie wins, but it does. My proposed change to the mm. Academy Award system, although it would never happen, is that the award for Best Picture go to the film with the most Academy Awards in total through the whole show. This means that truly the most well-crafted film in all aspects would win the award. Uh, there are some interesting complications, such as are all awards worth the same amount and what to do in case of a tie. I was wondering if you would agree or disagree with this and if there were any proposed changes that you had to the awards system. So let's start with his hmm. suggestion, Josh. 
and chat yeah. a little bit about that. Um, I guess I'll say that I don't know that that's a great idea to do kind of a, a compilation uh, award because I, I don't know that you could... I think I think in many ways the best film isn't necessarily the sum of its parts. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think that if a be- it's ridiculous if a, if a film were to win every award and then not win best picture. <laughs> right. I think that's, that seems ridiculous. Um, I have, I, I'm a little out of the loop a little. I mean, I, I haven't watched the Academy Awards in a, a very, very long time. Oh, interesting. Why not? Um, uh, I'm not, I just, um, the, the, the politics of it, you know, what getting that actually addresses one of his later parts of the question. But um, I, yeah, I don't, I just, it seems so arbitrary, a couple of things, it seems arbitrary to vote on the best art. <laughs> like, it seems like to defeat the purpose a little bit in a venue that's supposed to be subjective. But also, um, the the political campaigns around getting your movie voted for um, create an uneven playing field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so it's like, oh, that movie's tons better, but they didn't have the budget to buy everybody, I don't flowers or what I don't know. You know what I mean? Um, and that's and that's what it is. So I and I get that it has a monetary value to have an award, like it translates to more work and more possibilities and that. But um, most of the time, when I hear the awards, I I generally don't agree or don't care if I do (laughs) generally. Well, no, I think it's good to have this conversation out of the gate too. Um, I'm an awards person. I love them. I think they're for, for me, what awards do is they're they're not meant to be some objective standard of this was the best, you know, thing. They're meant to cause conversation. They're meant I mean, think of what we do. We love having conversations about what our favorite movie of the year was, right? Well that that's really similar to what awards are doing. They're saying, hey, what was your favorite movie of the year? And let's come to some kind of consensus uh on that in award, you know, give an award. Uh and what they really what I see them really doing is honoring movies that may not have another way to have value in the commercial system. In other words, uh, movies that aren't selling a lot of tickets, but are, are great, you know, uh, stories or art or doing good things. Uh, I think without the award season, a lot of those movies don't get made because the people who write the checks don't have that prestige uh, thing calling on them to make those kind of movies. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that absolutely makes sense. Um, I and I, I I even agree conceptually, um, and maybe it's my more the the heart of it that I disagree with because that that all makes sense. I, I I think for every movie like that though, there's probably half a dozen that are even more under the radar than that that are probably as good or better, you know. But they'll never even get that opportunity because they don't have whatever that sure. extra oomph it is to, to get on the radar there. Um, we're still dealing with movies that, and with, with, with some exceptions, we're still dealing with movies that have some sort of big exploitable element of a director or an actor or, or something, you know, generally, not always, but, but a lot of the time. Um, 
But I don't I don't disagree, and I like the idea of lifting that up. I think maybe my problem is more with the perception of it that people do regard this as the end-all, be-all of what's true and not. And we can go back and look at past winners, you know, forever and disagree. Like, that right. one over the, this movie that people yeah. are still talking about, that's nonsense, you know. Um, yes, and that goes back to it just as being subjective, you know. Let's count the uh, number of Oscars that Hitchcock won, you know. <laughs> those kind of... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> those kind of things that you you know something uh, isn't, isn't right. And I've actually... So let's move on from that, because I think we can probably agree that, that we're not on board with necessarily this idea. But I think there uh-huh. are some ways to correct the award system, and I've got two in mind. Um, let's start with this one, since I think it transitions nicely from what we just said about awards not holding up. I think we should do an award show during the year, when stuff happens, and another one 10 years later. I feel like every year we should be doing this year's awards and a re-awards from 10 years ago so that the Oscars would have maybe even <laughs> two ceremonies or whatever. But I, I just think that would be fascinating. So, you know, for instance, that would be. this year we would, you know, the 2017 Oscars and also the 2007 re-Oscars or whatever you would want to call it. Um, yeah. I, I think that to me, and maybe even do another one for 50 years ago, I don't know. I'm just saying there's something yeah. fascinating about how time changes our perspective and i think i for me i would love yeah. that i think that would be very interesting also can, can you imagine though if you won but then and then comes back like oh by the way you're not as good as you thought you were <laughs> <laughs> so now it feels like oh i'm getting my award taken away <laughs> that's the, yes no you're absolutely right the person who won it 10 years ago should have to hand it over to the person who wins it. like sorry didn't hold up there should be a cage match <laughs> that yeah if there was more physical violence in the award system than i the the award uh the, if there was a battle for the award then yeah i would i think that would be more fun uh, uh what's your other idea <laughs> uh did you have did you have one before i get to my second did you well have i don't know what, what the idea is but I, I address the address the campaigning you know um I don't know a cap a cap on campaigning budgets. I or, don't. Yeah, I guess maybe the budget. I, I don't know, but I, you could. Yeah, I, I just don't. I mean, it, but it's still like if you're in Hollywood and you're in the system, you're hanging hanging out and having lunch with people who vote. You know what I mean? And if you're out of the system and you're trying, you're like, I'm trying. I just want to get my movie seen. Like you're not greasing palms and shaking hands and meeting people. You're not networking. Then you just don't. You just don't have a chance yeah. in that regard, with with some exceptions. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't. I mean, I don't have an answer there. I just think that that's um, something it would need to be addressed on some level. Yeah, but uh, and I think the the Golden Globes are notorious for being able to be bought. Uh, you know, that's kind of the hubbub in the industry is that you can buy a Golden Globe uh, because of yeah. the the limited number of people that vote for one and how disconnected they are from the typical it's so weird that the golden globes is a thing like it's just that that voting body is such a weird uh yeah conglomerate the foreign the hollywood foreign press association or whatever so it's interesting that that's become kind of the the second prestige award uh sure so but yeah i i think there is maybe something you could do with the financing uh you know of of budget but you can't keep people from asking for like you can't you can't keep people from going out and saying, "Hey, would you vote for my movie?" Um, but maybe you can keep them. Sure, from... no, and 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 it's a model that I think lo- like lots of things follow. The lot like there's lots of things that do that, and that's always that. I had a friend who just had a um, 
it, it entered into a film festival in Memphis and there the awards were based on you know the the panel of judges and audience response and the person who won was literally the you know the person who was able to get the most people to come watch the movie in Memphis right um and that I mean I get that that they make it a piece of the puzzle and I don't know how, what the remedy is but it wasn't the I mean I'm not, I don't I, nobody's watching or listening from there but it it wasn't the best movie I mean it just right. wasn't um and I, again I know that that's an opinion sure and it, but uh, yeah yeah but you can you can stack the odds all those kind of things maybe the bigger issue is like that going back to um grading something that's subjective in the first place you know yeah but again it's not i mean it's uh it should at its best be something that that is still acknowledged to be a subjective process but it's just it's a sure. it's a conversational process in a an interesting way to highlight what a a group of people think is worth highlighting um sure so Anyhow, the only other thing I thought of is something I think the awards are going to have to address here uh, probably pretty quickly, um, which is I think gender is going to become an issue in the award system uh, if it isn't already. Uh, it becomes more and more strange that we're giving Best Actress and Best uh, Actor awards instead of just a Best Performance award and a Best Supporting oh, wow, yeah. Performance award. Um, especially yeah. in a culture that is more and more speaking of gender fluidity, speaking of the spectrum of gender, those kind of things, uh, you know, gender being self-identified, um, you know, so it just, it, it becomes one of those things where we get how weird and silly an idea it would be to have an African American best performance and a Caucasian best performance. But for some reason yeah. we've done the, the, you know, the male female thing for so long, uh, that we don't see our yeah. way. Uh, clear on it. My and the, my suggestion. They they don't do that for directors or or screenwriters or anything else. No. They don't say the best male director or best female director. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I think the argument is. I think there are actually probably several arguments. The main one I've heard has to do with uh, the the pool of you know possible performances being too good to you know honor uh, everything. Um, and I just uh -huh. I, I, I I think that's a little bit of a cop out. Um, and if you're saying, well, you don't feel like female performances will get honored, well, then that's an issue we have to deal with in the same way we're dealing with the racial issue. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's it's sure. something we should be forced to deal with, uh, you know, and I think it could be actually a positive thing in that regard. Um, so I, I think it's something that has to be done. My suggestion would be to do an overall best performance with the gender categories uh, still for a little bit and then just go to an overall performance and a supporting performance. Although you could, what you could do is you could have just a best performance category that included male, female, and supporting and lead, so that there aren't any of those distinctions. Just best performance oh, wow. in a movie this year. Um, and I think that could be interesting. What it will do, and this I think is a, a fairly decent argument, is it will tip the hand for those other categories. So, for instance, if you know Meryl Streep gets nominated for best overall performance. And no other female does well, then you you know Meryl's probably going to win the best Act actress award. You know what I'm saying? So th there could be a sure, little yeah. you know uh, killing of the suspense, but you kind of have that with you know best animated film. Like if an animated movie gets a best picture nomination, you kind of know they're going to win best animated film. Um, so I don't know. I think you could do it. I think you could be smart about it and figure out a way to do it. I think that would be a cool idea. 
Um, you could even, I, I actually have recommend this, uh, recommended this in the uh, BFCA for the Critics' Choice Awards um, to, um, to a few people, all of which who have said it would never work and was a horrible idea. Uh, but uh, I like the idea of doing a live award. And I think what you could do to not tip your hand is give the awards and then let's say whoever won, you know, best actress, best actor, best supporting actress and best supporting actor. Then you do a live award at the end for best performance between those four or something like that. Um, that could be interesting. But um, yeah, but they but I think a lot of the the kickback on that has to do with um, the actors themselves uh, they think would be offended by that. And I, I'm not sure I follow that, but, um, but again, I'm not an actor, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that I would. Yeah. But we've already established that I don't care. <laughs> I think it's kind of what you were saying with, <laughs> I think it's kind of what you were saying with the, if we did like a 10 years later and you, and you were like, Oh man, I guess I wasn't that good. I think it's that thing of you're kind of diminishing the award they already won. Uh, now they go yeah. from being a, being a winner to a loser. Uh, in yeah. some ways, so um, well, I mean, they do they do a um, a lifetime achievement, right? So there yeah. could be a, a a cultural longevity award or something. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this movie, ha despite not getting awards ten years ago, has remained a a piece of our culture. Yeah, you know. So yeah. There you go. That's what I would say. So there's your SIF quest for today. Thank you so much, Josh, for sending that along to us via email. The email, again, is feedback at sifpop.com. You can also send us on a quest through Twitter. Just tweet me at Aaron Dicer, A-A-R-O-N-D-I-C-E-R. All right, before we finish up... Patrons, get those perks! <laughs> no, oh, wait, sorry. No, Josh. I, 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 no, no, I jumped in right now. No, you're okay. You're okay, man. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, let's do our buried treasure. Uh, it can come from any area of pop culture. What's something you want people to know about? Um, well, actually, last night I came across something that some people may know about, but I thought since we are talking about Blade Runner, this would be a very nice, uh, very treasure. There are three short films that uh, fill in the gap between the first uh, Blade Runner and the new Blade Runner. Um, they are generally ex, uh, uh, expo I can't, why am I thinking? I keep want to say exponential, but uh, um, expositional. expositional. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, they're generally expositional, but they are um, really fun. And if you haven't watched the movie, they're, they're, they could be a really nice um, appetizer to get you in the mood to watch the movie. Mm -hmm. um, one is called uh, 2036 Nexus Dawn, and it takes place in 2036. And uh, they, they address this in the new Blade Runner movie, um, the, what, what Nexus Dawn would mean. So I guess if you watch this, it's not a spoiler because it's talking about the, the new generation of the replicants. Um, 2048, uh, which is one called uh, Nowhere. It's called 2048, Nowhere to Run. And it actually explores uh, Dave Bautista's character a little more precursor to this movie. Okay. And then the, the third one is called Blackout 20, uh, 2022. And it's based, it's an animated and it's longer than the other. It's like, the other ones are like five minutes, five or six minutes. Uh, this one's like 15 minutes. And it's an animated um, piece that... Um, basically explains how the blackout of, of 2022 happens and if you watch the new movie you will know that they there's a blackout that they reference <laughs> that, that so basically expo, expositional uh spoilers before you watch the movie i think uh that reminds me a lot of the animatrix um mm -hmm. where you know that yeah. kind of stuff that informed and other movies have done i think alien covenant did that too had some 
yeah pre-stuff what's nice about this for me is i didn't know those existed and i would never guess those existed from watching the movie so there wasn't like there right? weren't like yeah. missing pieces as i'm watching this movie going why why don't i know that whereas with alien covenant yeah. i feel like there were like you know you see yeah. james franco character you know his character for like five seconds and you're like i did you literally just hire james franco for five seconds well no he has, <laughs> exactly. this, yeah. he has this whole preview <laughs> thing that i'm supposed to watch to understand you know yeah. Stuff. It's just, you know, I think there's a good way to do that and a bad way to do that. And I felt like Blade yeah. Runner did it well. So that's cool. I didn't even know those existed. They don't. If you've watched the movie, you don't need to go back and watch them to understand what's happening. They act. There's a couple of moments that helped me um, clear up some stuff in the movie. But it's a great it's a great appetizer going into the movie. It'll it'll whet your appetite for some stuff that they're going to talk about in the movie. Uh, I'm going to do a buried treasure. This is a first. This is a first on Sif Pop. I'm going to do a buried treasure I actually haven't um, taken part of myself. Uh, So I'm going to tell you about something, uh, a book that I haven't even read, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you it's out there because I find the concept so interesting uh, that I think other people will too. It's just coming out. It's from a guy named Bill James who did a lot of work in baseball stats. Those kind of he was kind of the if you hear the phrase saber metrics. It's all those like advanced statistics that they use in in uh, you know this, the professional sports leagues. He's kind of the brain behind that. Well, he has a new book out that is but nothing about that, but it's called "The Man from the Train: The Solving of a Century-Old Serial Killer Mystery." And if you are a real crime kind of person, basically what they did was they took this group of serial killer murders from the early 1900s, uh, and this. They, you know, these were known that they all kind of had, they had, you know, the same murder weapon, the same MO, all that kind of stuff. And through research has tied this one man to an entire another series of serial killer murders. This is somebody who was never caught and also found the first one and identified who this person was all through research and going through old cases and that kind of stuff. Sounds fascinating to me. It's kind of like unsolved mysteries to the you know uh, the nth degree, um, and so I'm I'm interested uh-huh. to check it out. But I wanted to let people know it existed in case that's the kind of thing that sounded interesting to them as well. Say the title one more time: "The Man from the Train." It's called "The Man from the Train," and then the subtitle is "The Solving of a Century-Old Serial Killer Mystery," and it's by Bill James. So it's definitely something. I want uh, to check out. And what's interesting is I'm not necessarily a a true crimes kind of guy. Like it's not something that uh, has ever appealed to me, but there is something about solving a mystery, the Sherlock Holmes nature of how they did this. That is definitely Uh fascinating to me. So um, maybe once I check it out, I can let you know uh, if it's as good as I hoped it would be, but I wanted, since it's coming out now to kind of throw that out there for buried treasure. Sweet. Well, there you go, Josh. We did it. We did a podcast. Hooray. Patrons get those perks. Pods have been casted. We are casting the pods. Thanks so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other live and later shows on the network by following the feed. It's at Mixler.com slash Studio DNA. That's M-I-X-L-R.com slash Studio DNA. Huge thanks again to today's guru, Josh from the Nether Region. Thank you, Josh. Woo-hoo, that's my name. Don't wear it out. I am kind of wearing it out, but I'm glad to because I want people to know all about you. Uh, where do you want to send people? Uh, yeah, uh, at Nether Region on Twitter uh, is great. Um, yeah. That's it? <laughs> <laughs> that's a, 
at Josh. Oh, you can also follow my uh, my personal stuff, which I don't talk about much nerd stuff on there. But that's at Josh uh, Josh W Childs Twitter. Give a follow, and uh, I'm sure that that way you'll know when like the Nether region has new videos coming out. If anything's happening to the YouTube channel. Um, you guys do some great stuff, so it's definitely worth checking out for sure. If somebody's in Nashville, um, can they check you out live? Like, I think, aren't you doing improv stuff as well? I am. I actually have a show next Saturday at Third Coast Comedy. Uh, the show is called Court Improv. We, uh, we basically put love on trial. We take a couple from the audience, and we do a complete improv show where we... Uh, we showcase their their life story of how they met and fell in love, and then we put that story on trial to see if uh, love should in fact be punished or not. Uh, <laughs> so we we do that uh, generally every month. Um, we are not doing it next month, but we have one next next Saturday, 9 p.m. Third Coast Comedy, uh, 9 p.m. Central Time, and then um, we'll be back again in December after that. Um, but in that month off in November, I will be doing another show at the National Jazz Workshop with my other improv comedy group, uh, the spontaneous comedy group uh, a comedy company excuse me which is the oldest um, improv company in Nashville uh, or the longest running that's what we say now that we're old the longest running uh, improv <laughs> company in Nashville and you can follow uh, 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 Court Improv at, uh, at Court Improv on Twitter or uh, uh, Spawn Comedy um, for uh, Spontaneous Comedy Company that's awesome, man. That sounds really cool. Woo, I was, mouthful. I, yeah, no, that's great. If you're in the Nashville area, I definitely recommend you check that out. Much love and gratitude to our Patreon supporters as well for giving to, uh, to this podcast network monthly to make this show and others on the network possible. Support starts at 3 bucks a month, comes with some pretty fun perks. You can find out more at patreon.com slash studiodna. There's lots of ways to connect with the podcast on SoundCloud, Twitter, iTunes, or you can email us feedback at sifpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show too, so make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than figuring out who exactly is and isn't a replicant. Spoiler chat for this week's movie should be next up in your podcast feed, and we will see you back uh, next week for more talk about whatever movies we decide to talk about next week. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.